You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. And today we continue our special feature on the Cortez Natural Food Co-op, in which I'm interviewing Mary Lavelle and Amy Robertson, respectively the general manager and the board chair of the co-op. In part one yesterday, we talked about what the co-op is, how does it work, how is it different from conventional large retail, what is its mission, and so on. That was, as you might say, the good news. Today we'll be talking about some of the more challenging aspects of running a small retail grocery business on a small two-ferry island in a tourism economy. So, Amy, Mary, what are some of the bumps on the road? I would say one of the main challenges that the co-op faces as an island business, which we're not alone in, is the fact that it's got a seasonal flux to it. So we make a majority of our income in the summer months when the island is most heavily populated and have a lot more challenging weeks and months in the darker times when even the year-round locals tend to head off island for a little holiday. Yeah, I mean, what I guess the main challenge of running a business is that fact we're on an island. So that brings in ferries and transport and costs that are well beyond another, you know, a larger island business, say Vancouver Island. You'd have some of those costs, but not as many as we have. So for instance, if I want to have an HVAC worker come up and do something for our refrigeration, which is fairly frequent, more frequent than we would like, we will end up paying their full day. And that call out will be a minimum of $1,200 for the day. Now, regardless of how long they stay with us and what they do to the equipment, paying for them to sit in the ferry lineup to travel to us, you're paying for the ferry to get them to you. And that means that our maintenance costs are so far beyond what a business, say, if we compare ourselves to Edible Island or Healthy Ways, we have costs that they just don't. And how big a factor is that transportation cost uh, for food, for inventory? Well, it's huge, and it's also it's also precarious because weather and statutory holidays and changes in in how the food gets out of Vancouver first of all and up to to Campbell River and how it gets from Campbell River to us, we are subject to so many elements. <laughs> so so it's precarious, it's expensive, and and we're stuck with it. There's no way around it. How does that affect your pricing? I mean, is it even possible to be competitive with other shopping opportunities that people have on on Quadra in Campbell River? I've always wondered, you know, I, I've done the math for myself. When I arrived in 2004, I thought it was a great idea to go off and shop for food and come back. And very quickly, I realized I was spending my entire day in ferry lineups and rushing from shop to shop and that I would have to make a heck of a lot of savings to pay for that time, if I was even to think about paying my own time at all, or valuing my own time, because there's other things I could be doing. And that's where I became 
pretty much a firm co-op shopper because I figure that although I pay more for my food, I have gained back and clawed back my time. And I prefer that. So, Amy, do you have any feelings about that, like competitive shopping? I think every islander goes to town at some frequency, and they rarely return empty-handed. So there is always that opportunity for people to buy things at a lower price because there's no argument that, you know, if you go to Costco or if you go to the superstore that you can pick up things that are on sale that we couldn't begin to compete with. At the same time, while all of us will do that, I will no longer go up off-island simply to shop Mm -hmm. for food. I'll I'll be opportunistic about it if I'm off-island doing other things. And, you know, I do go into healthy ways sometimes if I happen to be in Campbell River. And I can't say that I've noticed them being way cheaper than the co-op. I think they're pretty comparable for most things. We are pretty comparable. And we have people come up from other communities, from Vancouver, where I guess they were going to Whole Foods or something. And they actually feel like our prices are comparable with Vancouver, sometimes less, they say. I guess Vancouver has a higher rent to pay or whatever, but we've had people come and they're quite impressed with our prices and with our selection. And if ferries and lineups and power outages weren't enough, businesses everywhere, BC, Canada, the world, faced some new and very trying conditions during those peak pandemic years. How did the co-op fare through all of that? Well, the co-op was impacted in a number of ways by COVID. One of the benefits that we saw is that less people were actually traveling to Campbell River to do their shopping. So we did see more people through the door buying more food, and and that was great. It was very challenging for some staff. Well, I think it was challenging for a lot of people with the, the, the mask mandates and the tension that was everywhere, I think, One of the ways that we supported the community through this is that we did offer the opportunity for people to call their orders in, and we did food delivery. Unfortunately, we had to close down some of our more public spaces at at a certain point. The patio, which is historically quite a place for people to congregate, we did have to, to close that for a bit, and we did get letters from people, and it was our opportunity to really understand what people were going through and keep an eye on the legislation, which was constantly changing. And, you know, as soon as we were able to open things up, we were certainly willing to do that for people. But it was a really difficult time. Yeah, the whole pandemic time, I think the the co-op pivoted a lot as much as they could, as, as all the organizations on Cortez did. And the whole thing honestly just seems like one big bad nightmare to me now. It's hard even to believe what we went through. I'm glad it's passed. Well, it never seems like it's 100% over, even now. Not really past, yeah, I agree. Some residual things are still in place. We will keep our plexiglass barriers up just because it feels that much better for the staff. And for those of us that spend a lot of hours in the building, it's nice to have some little level of barrier still. Yeah, some of the lingering effects are not that bad. I think more people are doing hand cleaning routinely when they go into a store before they handle produce and stuff. And I think employees are being more careful with their hand washing and cleaning. So, you know, that's just generally good if you're in food service. Yeah, and we've we've tried to make it very welcoming. 
At this point, there is no mask mandate, but if you feel comfortable in one, please wear one. Absolutely. And if you have a little cold or if you feel a little off that day, please wear a mask. That that makes us all feel better. As you see illness ebb and flow on the island, you'll see in the co-op that there will be a little moment where you'll see more people come in in masks because they know that there's something around. And I want it to be comfortable for everyone. Some businesses suffered significantly financially during the height of the COVID pandemic. Um, A lot of businesses actually folded. But as I recall, the co-op actually did pretty well because of more people shopping on island, larger orders, bulk orders. Am I remembering that right? We had our best two years, I think, ever. kind of shows you what our potential is if, if we're really dedicated to our local shopping. Yeah, if, if our members shop to the co-op all the time, like they did during COVID, how prosperous our co-op would become. Yeah, and, and I understand for many families, as you do need to do those shoppings off-island to make the budget meet. So how did the last year, 2022, compare to those COVID years, 2020 and 2021? Our sales fell about $35,000 over the year. So we did, yes, as a little decrease in our sales. We'll probably see that small decrease again this year as things open up even more. So those years are a little bit of a blip for us. It, it shows us what we can do, but, but maybe what we won't be doing all the time. And what kind of a year are you expecting this year in 2023? Well, quite frankly, uh, we're expecting we? we we're expecting a bit of a loss this year due to several factors really. One of the things is we never got up to our full capacity, so therefore we didn't make the sales in the deli side. So half of our business didn't get up to full capacity, and you will see that reflected in our sales and our profit. And that would be about understaffing, right? That's correct. It's almost entirely about being understaffed. We also had some infrastructure failures this last year, which cost us a lot. Because the summer is a time where we really do need to make as much as we can, when we have something like a freezer go down and a whole department inaccessible to our public for purchase, or just tying up staff time, shifting cool items down the road to another location just to keep it from spoiling while we get our refrigerators fixed cost us a fair bit this year. And it is one of the big projects that the board is looking at is the replacement of our refrigeration systems so that we don't have that problem again. Indeed, that was that was the other big factor was just equipment failure. Now, I know the co-op is always trying to do things on a shoestring budget and buying used equipment, some of which is getting pretty old now. And I'm sure that was one element in the failure in the summer. But You know, we also had an unprecedented hot spell on Cortez this last summer, and it stressed everyone's refrigeration equipment, and it uh, stressed people out. That leads me to a bit of a question of what is the co-op thinking about in terms of climate change? How is the co-op positioning itself to try to be more reliable and more resilient uh, when we're looking at more and more extreme weather coming down the pike? Yeah, well, the co-op, the building itself is not purpose-built. Like, we've just been trying to make the best of the facility that we moved into bit by bit. And when it got really hot last summer, 
we really felt that in the store and had to close the bakery because we couldn't afford to be generating that much more internal heat to add to the heat that was outside. So we're looking at a number of improvements over the next couple years with a better backup system for the power outages that are inevitable, a heat pump, which will help keep our employees warm in the winter and cooler in the summer. And all that will have an effect on the lifespan of our produce, just the shelf life of some items that really can't be subjected to the extreme weather and the refrigeration within the building being more efficient. We've looked at some off-grid systems at the moment. It doesn't seem like there's a situation that is affordable or would even make sense for us at the moment. So when we do run out of power at the store, we are focused on a propane backup system. And I guess this summer sort of demonstrated that it's not just power outages, that other equipment is vulnerable to temperature extremes. Indeed. (laughs) I know more about HVAC than I ever wanted to. So yeah, refrigeration, heat and cooling. Pizza ovens can't be turned on when it's 45 degrees in the back kitchen. It's just, you know, we had to make some calls that weren't great for our business, but were were absolutely imperative to keep our staff safe. So it sounds like it's a priority at this point to try to equip the co-op better to upgrade some things so you can be more resilient through these kind of uh, unpredictable extreme weather events. I would say yes. Well, we can't really talk about business on the island. We We can't really talk about anything on the island these days without the H word. Uh, We know that housing is hard to afford. Housing is very unavailable on the island. So how has that affected the co-op as far as staffing? Has that been an issue for you? Definitely an issue. The 2022 summer, we made valiant efforts to get staff. Everybody we did have on board worked hard, but we never got up to our full capacity We never got our bakery, our kitchen, and our espresso bar going to the level that we would have liked. We weren't able to feed as many people as we would have liked to do. We had hungry tourists walking around, and we we didn't have the staff available to serve them. So I really feel that, you know, that's one of the keys is getting staff, attracting staff, but how do we house them? Definitely a factor. And Amy, as board president, um, what are your thoughts on the whole housing issue and staffing and the co-op? I think finding good employees, good committed employees that live on the island full-time has always been a challenge. I know that when we were looking for a new general manager, I was losing sleep at the thought of having applicants from all over Canada apply to Cortez And then even if they were going to be a great candidate, knowing that it was going to be very difficult to find a place for them to live, it's been really hard. I think this has been a problem for a long time. I think a lot more people are really paying attention now because it's become a national crisis and it's not just Cortez and its remoteness and beautiful destination place for people, you know, people that want to live here. But housing is an issue everywhere. And until we can offer something, some affordable opportunity for people, it's always going to be hard for us to maintain a staff. Yeah. So we 
rely fairly heavily on our returning youth, the teens and early 20s who are in high school or university who come back, who have housing with their families here. And it's possible for them to work for us, but it isn't possible to attract, say, an experienced baker or a cook from off-island if there's no housing. So it sounds as though you're experiencing this problem in both areas there. It's hard to find year-round more senior staff because there's just so little housing available and the prices are so high. Um, But it's also affecting you when it comes to the entry-level seasonal, more casual staff for the summer. Yeah, and Mary's talked about the returning youth, and part of the reason that we've been able to really capitalize on our returning youth is because they do have a place to stay. They're back with their family in a home, and housing isn't an issue. But then they age out, so to speak, and there isn't that returning demographic anymore. Yeah, we're, you know, we will have them for a couple of years. And of course, they may also want to try other organizations and work with other companies on the island too. But we sure do love to see them. So, and this is, of course, purely theoretical, but if there were that affordable housing, adequate affordable housing for those staff, do you feel that the co-op could actually increase its summer business significantly? I think it would decrease the number of headaches that the supervisor and the general manager have, for sure, because they are the ones that are taking up the slack, and that's not sustainable. Yeah, I would hope that there is potential growth for us. I don't believe in endless growth. We are a closed system, but we do know what we're capable of from the COVID years, so we know how far we can can at least go. And I think that we would hit an end limit unless there are other forces at work, like a big increase in population or something of that nature. Well, we should probably wrap up this episode, but do you have any more thoughts on challenges, uh, overcoming challenges? I'd add that although we have our, our challenges, morale is good. Staff are kind and lovely to each other, supportive. It's a great place to work. And yeah, so consider joining us. Well, thank you both very much, and we'll be back tomorrow with part three of this interview, in which we'll discuss the co-op in the context of its community, its relationships with other businesses and with the community at large, and also find out what members and customers can expect to see in 2023. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And as always, thanks for listening.